Well, hello, hello, my ambitious friends, and welcome to 2000 Books, where we bring you the most important actionable ideas from the world's greatest books for ambitious entrepreneurs. And I'm your host and former computer engineer turned entrepreneur, Manny Laya. Well, hello, everyone. Today, I have David Jennings, the author of Systemology. Uh, And this book is really about how to build systems in your business so that you can scale your business. So, David, welcome to the show. Fantastic. Thank you to have, for having me. It's a pleasure being here. Yes. Thank you. Thank you very, very much for being here. Our mutual friend, uh, Alan Deb is the one who made the introduction. So it's always good to have someone. Uh, I read your book. I really enjoyed uh, your thinking on systems and processes. But before we go into that, I really want to know what was your story? Uh, what was your entrepreneurial journey like before you got to write this, before, before you started writing this book? What Tell us about it. Uh, I have been involved in a lot of different things over the years. I remember leaving school and thinking, I want to make as much money as I can. So I tried online info products, importing products. At one point, I had a rock and roll clothing music store. I had a digital agency. One of the earliest things I remember, actually, I'd read a book called The One Minute Millionaire. And I learned about this guy, Paul Hartunian, who sold the Brooklyn Bridge. And I was driving past the MCG, which is the Melbourne Cricket Ground here in Australia. And, um, yeah, we're really well known for our sport and it's a really famous sporting ground. And I, I remember that. I'm from India, so. Oh, you'd know it for sure, yes. I know you guys have hammered India quite a lot over there, so, hey. <laughs> That's <all> right. <laughs> all, all happens in the MCG too. That's, That's like our our biggest sporting stadium in Australia. And I was driving past it. And as I was driving past, it was almost like fireworks went off in my brain because I saw this big hole in the side of the MCG. And I just read this book, The One Minute Millionaire, and it told the story of Paul Hartunian. And what Paul had done is they were doing some renovations on the Brooklyn Bridge and they were discarding a lot of the wood. And he basically called up the wreckers and said, oh, can I get my hands on a lot of this wood? And he wrote a press release saying, New Jersey man sells the Brooklyn Bridge for 1995. And to cut a long story short, he just got mobbed by the media for about the next 12 months. Uh, And what he would do is he'd take little pieces of that wood, chop it up, stick it to a certificate, and then post it out uh, for, for you know the the clients who p- purchased it. So I just read this story driving past the MCG, see a big hole in the side of the MCG because I knew that they were doing some renovations. I thought, well, let's follow this rabbit hole. I got myself uh, a, a lot of the discarded wood and carpet. There's some very iconic seating that was known for the MCG back in the day. It was this painted green wooden seating, and they had this. Uh, special carpet with the MCC Melbourne cricket club crested logo on it. And I got my hands on that um, wooden carpet and did the same thing. I wrote a press release, Melbourne man sells the MCG for $24.95 and uh, basically got picked up by the newspapers and radio and a lot of different media outlets. And I went on my own little magical carpet ride there. And it was, that was one of my first um, entrepreneurial sort of endeavors and, and having an idea and an opportunity and then following it. So I, I suppose I feel like I've always been an entrepreneur looking for uh, ideas and opportunities to try and 
really catapult myself. Initially, it was it was mostly about the money and just moving away from the the situation that I had. Like I always remember in my family, we always used to argue over money and and that sort of thing. And I just thought to myself, oh, I, I never want to be like that. So that that's why I got interested in business. Right. And uh, that's that's a great story, selling the MCG. And after that, I mean, you've had a lot of entrepreneurial endeavors, but I think the last few that led you to systemology, more importantly, mm-hmm. the Melbourne SEO service, is that what yes. it was? Yeah. You sold that and then you moved on to this uh, new adventure. So let's let's talk about that transition that finally led to this book. Yes. So um, the digital agency is probably the one I'm most well known for because I was in it for about 13 years as the business owner, 10 of which I was so heavily stuck in the operations of that business, winning work, getting clients onboarded, fielding questions, helping out team members. We built a small team. So I had a team of 12 around me at that time. And even though I had that support, I was still very much the centerpiece in that business. Everything really relied on me. And I, I, for some reason, I built up all of this baggage in my head around why the business needed me. And I thought this business couldn't be systemized because it was a digital business and the online landscape changes all the time. So if I wrote systems, then they would very quickly get out of date. And I thought, You know, if I get uh, some systems in place, my team was very creative because we were digital marketing and we were making things up as we were going. I thought the team's not going to want to follow these systems and processes. And I thought I would have to be the one that created the systems. And I had all of this baggage that just meant I trained my team to always come to me whenever they had a problem, an issue, and they just needed help. I was the answer. And it wasn't until I found out that we were pregnant, and this was after 10 years in that business, uh, when my wife and I um, found out, I said to myself, I don't want to be that dad who's always too busy because I was working early mornings, late nights, weekends, every moment I could get, I was trying to squish work into it. And I thought um, something needs to change. And intuitively, I had that feeling that business systems was a part of that because I'd read the E-Myth, I'd read Traction and Built to Sell and um, worked the system and a lot of these systems-based books. So I, I kind of already had a sense that the systems held the answer. And that turning point of finding out we were pregnant, that really set me off on the journey. And I spent the next 12 months uh, systemizing a lot of what we did. I then started to remove myself from the operations. I hired a CEO. To cut a long story short, over the course of that sort of 12 to 18 months, I completely removed myself, took a huge amount of time off um, with the birth of our, our young son, which then turned into two boys. And um, then uh, Melissa, who was the CEO who took over that business, she ran it for three years after that without me involved. I would meet with her once a month uh, and it was a great little business. Um, I had no intentions or plans of ever selling it because every quarter as a business owner, I'd get a profit distribution and it kind of freed me up to work on something else. But there was kind of like a a change of events um, in her personal life. Melissa's, um, she had to move back to the US for personal reasons And uh, I was kind of left with this business and I thought, oh, I don't want to have to go back into the business. So I ended up selling it. And that was really 
the completion of that business, but that was really the birth of systemology. I, I went through that business of starting it from scratch, coming up with the great idea, working in it, learning the intricacies, ins and outs, systemizing it, hiring a CEO, stepping out of the operations all the way through to selling that business. And I see that as the full life cycle. And I wanted to really capture and bottle that and help business owners move through that journey and, and really focused in on what I found the most challenging, which was the systems part. And that that was what systemology is about. It's about solving that problem of how do you capture best practice? How do you systemize what you're doing and how do you make it so that the business runs without you? And that's that's really where I do most of my work these days. Yeah, that's great. So, I mean, as entrepreneurs, I think we're notorious for the fact that we think somehow we have all the answers, somehow we know everything, somehow we are the only ones to be able to grow the business, to be able to sustain the business. And we're very bad at trying to let this kind of go from our hands. And I think you talk about in the book, the difference between the leader and the manager. And I always think about like the visionary versus the the person who's more on the day-to-day operation side of things. And it's, it's so easy to think that if I, like when you made the transition from being the the entrepreneur to really being the owner, quote unquote, mm-hmm. in some ways and letting someone else run the business. You had to let go of a lot of that belief that you are you yeah. are the one who can do all of this or you are the one who must do all of this. And this is a very hard thing to grasp and very hard thing to act on unless you have a childbirth coming up. Yes, that was... Definitely some um, pressure and initial sort of motivation and inspiration. I am finding the more that we prove the systemology model, the more that I get the successes and having business owners go from completely unsystemized businesses where it's heavily dependent on them to building something that uh, operates more like a Swiss watch and have team members and those team members have responsibility the the more that we capture that, um, and I've got you know stories of business owners um, who've sold their businesses and taken their first holidays, and, and we can touch on some of those. I'm I'm finding that um, that makes it much easier for people to cross that bridge. At the start, it is challenging, uh, and even before systemology, like I felt like I mean I'd read all of the books and. I I knew that systems were important. Where I kept on getting stuck was, okay, but how do I start? What do I do first? What do I do next? And having a plan like that gives the business owner some confidence and enables them to really let go. And I understand why the business owner is where they are. Like, I mean, if you think about it and the person listening to this right now, You've built your business up to where it is today because you took everything on yourself, because you're able to problem solve, because you're able to do everything. So what ends up happening is that reinforces in your brain that that's a good thing. And early on in the business, you needed that to grow the business to where you are. The challenge is because you're reinforcing those habits, 
those habits then get really, really strong. And it actually becomes the, the thing that holds you back from then growing through to that next level. So uh, at, if you're at that stage where you're finding that you are the bottleneck, you, everybody and everything is dependent on you. And in your head, you think I'm the only one that can do this then that's probably you're coming up to the right time where you need to change your thinking and you have to start to realize if your business depends on you 100%, your business is broken. So as long as you kind of understand that you don't really have a business and, and we've all heard that line, like it, it's more like um, you, you work a job um, and it's in a business that you own. But to be a business owner, a, a business is a separate uh, entity and system and that should be able to function without any key person dependency. Doesn't matter about yep. the business owner, doesn't matter about team members. So I think a lot of the listeners, they're in the right place right now. Now it's about thinking this is possible and I find a lot of business owners as well, they, they like me, might've had some of that baggage on why their business couldn't be systemized. I know um, a lot of business owners think, yeah, it has to be me or I need to systemize with hundreds of systems or, hey, I've tried to systemize in the past and it didn't work. And it comes back to what you talked about. It's the leader versus the manager. The leader is usually the worst person to be doing the, the systemization and the documentation because they're these big picture thinkers. They don't like writing out systems and processes. And that is extremely common. And just because you might be a leader doesn't mean that you can't have a business that is well systemized. Mm-hmm. It's very natural for you to have those feelings. You just need to now start to think about well, how can I have a systemized business? How can this work without me? Because it can. Yeah. And that's like one of the early understandings, I guess you need to have as an entrepreneur, as a leader, is that the systems don't have to be created or executed by you. You just have to bring someone in to help you with a large part of that process. So before we go into that the leader versus the manager, I want to talk about the four stages as you identify in the book so we can kind of lay the groundwork for everyone who's listening as to what's coming. So what are the four different stages of business system systemization as you put yes. it? So the four stages, um, they are survival, stationary, scalable, and saleable. So the first one, survival, um, a lot of the characteristics and the, the reason we go through these stages is because it helps you to identify where you are and then it helps you to figure out where you want to go and then it helps to identify what things need to happen. So that first stage survival is where a lot of business owners get started. The criteria and characteristics, oftentimes it's where the, the business is in firefighting mode. They will just go to wherever the biggest issue is. Oh, I need new clients. Well, let's go get new clients. Okay, I've got clients and I've got to work with these clients. Okay, let's go to where, you know, working with the client or wherever the big issue is. You might have a few team members supporting you at this stage, but you're really just taking whatever work you can get, which means you don't really have a set way of doing things. You Almost like each time a new client comes through, it's like you're reinventing yourself and having to figure it out every time. One of the biggest criteria for that stage, though, is it's where the business owner 
doesn't even recognize that they are the bottleneck. Like Mm -hmm. in their head, they just think, oh, this is what business is. And it's almost like that um, unconscious incompetence. You, You don't even know what you don't know. When you move through to that next level stationary, the business owner then gets some insight to go, hang on, I'm part of the problem here. I am that bottleneck and we need to start to really capture some of this knowledge. Now, some of the other criteria about being in stationary mode is oftentimes it just feels like you're spinning plates. Like you might have some different team members and you assigned some tasks to them. Then you go to the next team member. You assign some tasks to them. You go to the next team member. You assign some tasks to them. You get through all of your team members and then you have to run back to the first team member and give them a bunch of tasks because it's so task driven and it's not responsibility driven It means that you're always having to top them up. And usually that's where the business owner has to do their work on the weekend or in the evenings, early mornings, because that's the only time they can get work done. Because during the day, it's about keeping everybody else busy and answering questions. That was a key thing you said there, being task-driven versus being responsibility-driven. And that's such an important mindset shift we need to have because for as long as we are task-driven, we don't really have a team that's working independently. We're still like the gopher. We're still like running around trying to coordinate everything and nothing gets done if we're not there. But responsibility-driven is where work starts to happen without you having to tell people to do the work. And that is a huge transition, huge step forward for the entrepreneur. Uh, And that also shows like when you pick up things like that, it shows me how astute you are as a business owner because oftentimes you only really recognize how important that step is until you've made that step. Once you kind of step through, then you look back and you go, oh, wow, that was critical. And, And moving from that stage two to stage three, that's a big part of it. Because what we start to do is we start to, in stage number two, stationary, the secret to move through to that next level is to start to extract the IP. We want to record the way that people are doing things so that when we move into the next stage, we can then start to assign those responsibilities. Hey, you know, you are my social media marketing people and this is what I consider success this is now your responsibility. Here's a collection of tasks that you can follow to help, you know, meet my KPIs or whatever it may be. So that next step, um, we call it uh, scalability. And scalability Mm -hmm. then becomes, you start to get some systems and processes in place, but it's very patchy. Usually you've got a very clunky solution. Maybe you've got some systems saved on your desktop and in your Google Drive and another team member has some on their folder and basically your systems and your processes are scattered everywhere and certain departments you might not have any systems for. So you might have a couple of documented processes for the way that you do some marketing functions, but your HR is horrible. You don't have a way for recruiting and onboarding staff or maybe your finance systems are rubbish. Um, Usually, Uh, The business owner is often strong in one or two areas uh, and oftentimes 
either it can be a very strong point for the business because the, the leader is so strong at doing that task, or it can also be very weak because it, it, the responsibility remains with the business owner and it means that they're the only one who knows how to do anything with that particular area of the business, but um, they're so busy, they just don't get around to it. So some of those criteria um, when you're in that scalable mode, the, the business is starting to work. Some of your team members have some systems and processes. It's a little bit clunky. You haven't really reached your stride yet. One of the keys to break through to the final stage um, is to organize that knowledge. If you can then get the right tools, get all of your how-to knowledge into one location, start to introduce project management, then start to do what we talked about, assigning responsibility as opposed to just tasks. So team members then become responsible for certain departments in your business. And we help to then move to the final stage, which is then, I call it saleability. It's not really about selling your business though. It's about getting your business to the point that it is saleable. And some of the criteria and characteristics of that is you have all of your business departments, so sales, marketing, HR, finance, operations, management. Um, you have some basic set of systems in each one of those departments and the team uh, follows systems and processes. They actually, the, the, the real giveaway is where the team says, this is how we do things here. Like a new team member comes on board and they want to know how something is done and they say, oh, this is how we do it here. That Once that starts happening, that's when you know you've reached this final stage and it's that's when you start to get this exponential growth because now you're at a point where you start to embed systems thinking into the way that the team works and your business uh, moves away from being key person dependent because you now think in terms of these functions and the core tasks, it means if someone's off sick, you can then plug someone else in. And really, if someone wanted to buy your business, that's what they're going to find most valuable. They, they want to buy a business and know that you as the business owner, even when you walk off, that that business will still function. And I remember when I sold Melbourne SEO Services, so Melissa um, had the, the family thing. She had to move back to the States. I was left with Melbourne SEO services. And I remember that feeling like, oh, you know, the passion had died for me in the digital agency. And I got pulled back into it for a moment. I thought, oh, I don't, I don't want to do this. So I took it to market. And the guy who bought it basically said there were two reasons he bought it. One was because um, of the financial performance. And the second was he said, because it was run by a CEO for three years. Mm. He said, I had that confidence to know that the systems and the processes were working and it wasn't just because I was there. Um, and yeah, that, that's what got me a, a great multiple. And with that final stage really is where people want to work towards and get to when your team has this systems thinking. So there's four stages. We've got stationary, sorry, um, survival, stationary, scalable, and then saleable. If you, as a listener, think about where you are and you might have characteristics of each, that's okay. But where do you think you predominantly sit? And then where do you want to get to? And then it helps you to go, oh, okay, well, I'm in stationary mode. Well, I now need to think about extracting the IP. Oh no, I'm more in 
you know, scalable mode. Okay, now I need to think about organizing this knowledge and I want to get into the final stage, saleable. Okay, well, now I need to work on the culture piece. So, so one of the, one yeah, of the big go. challenges that you think about when you're in these different stages, let's say you're in the scalable phase. Uh, that's how I feel where we might be today. And one of the challenges is like finding the time, like having that space or creating that space to think about systems and process versus having to run the business, having to run the team, having to run the, like the overall business, which like the, the urgent is to run the business, to generate revenue, to generate, uh, you know, constant uh, money into the business. And the important thing is to systemize it so that it can get to the next level. And uh, it's a very challenging space. And the question that I, and probably a lot of our listeners might be thinking about is how do you and when do you consistently start to create that space for yourself to introduce more and more systems without um, like to create more and more time, create more and more space for yourself to create more and more systemization in the business. Yeah. So there's a, a couple of steps and part of it will kind of depend on, the performance of the business and um, financially, potentially how it's sitting. Um, Because sometimes recruiting your operations manager, that manager, um, it can be a costly position to recruit for. And uh, sometimes there's a lot of pressure in getting that position right. So sometimes recruiting internally for that position uh, and elevating someone is a good way to go if you have that person who demonstrates potential in the business. Because so you, then you are hiring an operations, you're an integrator, an operations manager full time to take over all of the operations side of things. Yes. Now, sometimes that can be a challenge because it depends on where the business is at. So the the easiest step before that is actually to think in terms of a systems champion, someone that you recruit who their job is to just capture what you're currently doing. The biggest thing is the business owner doesn't have space. So we need to do everything that we can to create that space because the business owner will naturally be able to problem solve and re-engineer systems and make the business better and grow in leaps and bounds if they have space, but most of them don't have enough time. So trying to squish an extra task, which is important, but not urgent means they never get to it. So we actually need to think about how space is created. Now, the first step could be to get what we call a systems champion. It's just someone who can, um, you know, they'd read systemology, understand the process. They would, Uh, record best practice as it's currently happening. They would help to organize the knowledge, get it into a central location and start to be that go-between when, you know, team members have questions rather than the default always let's go to the business owner, first going to the systems and the processes to try and build the muscle of the team members to, to start to try and solve their own problems and look for, the captured and documented systems and processes there. That is the probably the easiest step because it's, yeah, trying to recruit for that operations manager sometimes um, can be outside of the reach or that person might not 
exist internally in the business. Mm-hmm. Once you do that, then you can start to capture the minimum set of systems for the business. And we start to think about, you know, a handful of systems in each of the business departments. It's, it's the 80-20. What's the 20% of the systems that deliver the 80% of the result? And as we do that, then we slowly start to break off certain low-value tasks that the business owner is doing. Maybe it's handling incoming inquiries. Maybe it's scheduling calls. Maybe it's um, this administrative work that the business owner is not really adding value to. That then creates a little bit of space. Now the business owner needs to think about how do we reinvest that time intelligently? Um, It could be to do some re-engineering of systems and processes, or I still think that once you get to that point, you really want to start to think about how can we find someone who becomes that manager? It's someone who, and it might just be part-time. They don't even need to come on full-time. It's, I mean, this is perfect timing for me to talk about because, um, you know, I went through the full life cycle with Melbourne SEO Services Now Systemology is a young company again, and I'm in that startup mode. I am the bottleneck. I am in scalable stage. I have started to get some systems and processes in place. I've started to get a team around me. We've started to identify who the systems champion is. And now, literally, they started on Monday. I hired my operations manager. Now, she comes in. She, she's only going to work um, part-time to start with. It'll be 20 hours a week, but it's that person that I can then start to lean on. And I'll, I'm going to start off with Arla, her name is. She's going to start off just doing some little projects. She'll learn about the business, meet with the team members. And then over time, then she'll shift from almost like a project manager into more of this operations manager role, mm. which is the visibility. So, I mean, it's funny. I, I try and be the best example of what I teach and all businesses have to go through this life cycle. So it's not, you don't start off at stationary and then jump to scalable. I, like I, I know the stages and I can't still jump to it. You have to move through the pipeline. This is just the way a business grows. Yeah, yeah. You can't just uh, spend money to build systems that are, uh, in a business that doesn't really need those at a specific stage or anything like that. And that example of like hiring that integrator, um, congratulations, because it is a huge load off your shoulder, hopefully, because I know how valuable that is. I feel like I have overloaded my operator to the point where she might be doing too many things and she doesn't have the time to work on the systems. So I'm like, okay, well, maybe there are things that need to be taken off her plate to be able to let her do more of that systems thinking. And to be fair, because oftentimes your best team members are often the ones that are most busy. And even for them, they might feel like systems are important, but not urgent. So sometimes if you can introduce maybe what you need, and we could dig into it a little bit more, but that systems champion, if you had someone who... Um, could help out your operations manager with, you know, sitting in and, you know, the operations manager might record a video for them. Then that person goes away and does some of the documentation and then goes back to your operations manager because it's the, the building of that and the organizing of that. If she is so overloaded or, or he is so overloaded, 
they might not have the space either. So the system's champion, is it just a good way to start moving it forward just a little bit? So so hopefully then we can start to create space for your operations manager. Nice. So you mentioned there are some critical systems that we need to start building up as we go. So let's talk about them. Laura, what are the first... The first system, the second, the third, the fourth, the fifth. Like, what are the first few most rudimentary fundamental systems that every business needs to get building in order to get to that saleable stage? So the first thing that you need to do, and it's the first step in systemology, is we call it define. And what we need to do is identify the top 10 to 15 systems that you're going to focus on, just those, until you get them done, before you start thinking about everything else. So... What are those 10 to 15 systems? Well, think about what your business is. How, like your business delivers a product or service through to your target client. And it's the consistent delivery of that that means that you get cash, which really keeps the business alive. So we know that the cash is the lifeblood of the business. So we want to systemize how does the business make money? So the simple way, and we talk about it in the systemology book, um, we use a a tool I call the critical client flow. And it's Mm -hmm. about mapping the linear journey that a prospect and a client goes through to deliver a core product or service. So, I mean, you don't even have to get the book. Someone listening to this can follow along with this process. Get an A4 bit of paper in the top left-hand corner, write down who's your target audience. Mm -hmm. Then write down what is the a primary product or service that you can sell to that target audience. It's the first product or service that they might buy from you. So identify that first in the top left. Then we want to map the linear journey. So we think about firstly, how do we grab their attention? And I always like to say, just think about what you are currently doing, not what you would like to be doing because systemology is first about creating and capturing your existing way of doing things before we start re-engineering. So you might say, oh yeah, I run some social media ads. I do some SEO. I get some referrals and I hop on podcasts. You put that in each, this is just a, it all fits on one A4 bit of paper. You only put one or two words in each one of these boxes. And then we move down. So how do we get their attention? Then how do we handle the inquiry? When the email comes in or the phone call or the web form, what happens next? Then how do we move into that sales process? How do you qualify someone? Do you issue out a a proposal? Do you meet with them on Zoom? Um, Then we kind of keep moving down the page and each step down is just one or two words in a box. Then the next one is when they're ready to start, are we issuing an invoice? Do we do 50% upfront and 50% on completion or do we do all upfront? Then we move down. How do we onboard that client? How do we get them um, to, to have clear expectations of how your product or service is going to be delivered and we get them to fill out a questionnaire that tells us all about them or how do we move them into your project management platform? Then we, we get down to the delivery, which is the doing of the product or service. This oftentimes can be the most complex and sometimes there can be lots of steps underneath it, but just for now, very high level, the delivery of the product or service. And then finally, we've kind of got that handover and um, 
getting people to sort of come back, the, the referral, if you map that out on an A4 bit of paper and you just write two or three words in it, and I'll, I'll just, um, you know, if you're watching on the video, I know you might be listening to the audio, um, but if you see mm-hmm. just this one over here, that's what it should look like. Like it's, it's um, an A4 bit of paper that maps out this journey and, um, you can even get the template. It's just at uh, systemology.com forward slash uh, resources. It's, it's a free template or get the book and you, you, you draw this out and then that becomes your guiding force. Just focus on systemizing that because if you can systemize that, what mm. you've effectively done is you've systemized the way the business makes money. Don't worry about putting systems in place for management and finance and HR and all of those. Those that will come later. How do you get attention? How do you sell them? How do you onboard them? How do you deliver? How do you get them to come back? Hmm. I like it. So that's the customer journey, as you're calling, as you say, it's uh, the critical customer. Critical client flow. And it's... Yeah, it's 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 slightly different um, in that it it also deals with how the business delivers as well. So it's not just the client journey; it's the mm, the, mm. the client and the business and what it does to deliver the product. Right. So what's like? How's the client going through the whole journey, and what is the business doing throughout that journey to to make sure it delivers on that promise every step of the way? So. 100%. Perfect. You you identify the f- the most fundamental money making system in your business, and that is uh, that's like the most important place to start, as you say. And then you start uh, building more higher level systems as you go. Um, what could be some of the examples of the higher level systems that you would start building as you get into the scalable phase of business? Yeah. So. Um... That first stage in systemology, then, yeah, the the, the, the steps in between um, deal with figuring out where the knowledge is, extracting it, getting it out of their brain, organizing it, getting the team to buy in. And then you're right, that stage after that is that scalable stage. And we start to go, what other systems are required to scale a business? And what you have to do here is you think of your business, your business is one big system. And I always say every problem in business can always be traced back to a problem inside one of your systems. Mm -hmm. So if we understand our business is a system, then we think of our business in terms of, well, what are the subsystems that make up that bigger system? And they're usually departments. It's a sales department, marketing, it's um, operations, it's HR, it's finance, and it's management. They're usually the core ones for a lot of businesses. Sometimes there's other ones. Um, what you want to do is we then start to think about what is the most important systems in each one of those departments. So something like HR, when we start to think about scaling, is we need to be able to recruit team members and then we need to be able to onboard team members. And we also need to be able to manage those team members. It's getting that in place and then building your systems thinking into the recruitment means it helps you indoctrinate your team members as they're coming on board that this is how we do things here. 
So, so there, there's some really important ones in HR. Similarly, though, there are, you know, think of your finance department. What, what's important in a finance department? Money coming in, money going out, and maybe tax obligations and, you know, reporting every single month. You, you need to find out what are those, the minimum systems. So sometimes what I like to do is I'll sit down and fit, brainstorm all of the functions or systems or things that go on in that department. And then I look at them and I go, you know, what are the most important here? If I could only pick 20% of them, you know, five or 10 systems in each, what are absolutely critical for this business functioning? And then, um, so usually HR and finance are are great places to start. Um, Then sometimes there's some extra ones in operations, um, usually uh, some of the management stuff comes a little bit later once you build a bit more of a team and you start to think about your meeting rhythms and what you cover in mm-hmm. those meetings. Um, that's, so like that's functions we as start well. more at the sales and marketing end of the business for us where the money is being made and try to hone in on those systems, make them like improve them, get into more of operation side of things, product fulfillment side of things. Then go into HR, finance, then finance probably, and yep. HR and the overall you know, the vision, the, the team meetings, and all those things as you call it. Or like we go higher and higher in kind of our um, hierarchy of importance yes. of things. And, yeah, uh, I, I think with the uh, there's one little caveat I'll put right at the start when when you do the critical client flow. sometimes a business owner will already have pain that they're aware of. So they might go, I don't have enough leads. Some people go, hey, I've got more leads. My issue is I can't deliver the product. So I I love to map the critical client flow first. And then I like to go, if you have pain that you're already aware of, you might go, oh, we always have trouble with getting clients to pay. Okay, Mm. well, maybe we need to look at the onboarding and the invoicing part. Or maybe they say, oh, we're getting lots of leads, but I just can't sell them. Okay, well, so I kind of use that pain to narrow in on somewhere. But initially, I don't like to go outside of the critical client flow because I feel like that really is the core of the business, making Mm. money. So, Mm -hmm. So there are some subtleties. It's not always a case of saying it is exactly this these order of hierarchy because sometimes it will also depend on the business because the the business owner is oftentimes like i said strong at one or two things Mm -hmm. like in Mm -hmm. in your business um what what would be one of the areas that you are great at are you great at sales or marketing or doing the work i would say probably fulfillment as in creation of book summaries per se which i am like i have a team of four writers but i still like to get my hand involved and getting my head dirty in there for some reason. I, I love to read books. So that, yes. and the second one is probably marketing, uh, marketing yes. side of the business. So those two, what I suck at are operation, like it's operations and yes, the, yeah. the integrator stuff. Like I just suck at it. I'm not good at uh, the day-to-day operation side of things. Yeah. So, so for you, that would be like when you do the critical client flow, you would probably start in on your operations part of the business first. You would want to really get, you know, clear on that primary product or service that you're selling to the primary target audience, figure out a vanilla version of that. 
that can be delivered without you and then look at really getting the, the systems and the processes for the um, the delivery of that product or service. Because once you get that right, that, that will make you much more scalable because then you can do more marketing and you can feel good knowing that, you know, if I sell more people, we can still keep delivering to a very high standard. That sometimes happens for some business owners. It's almost like they get to a certain point in once they're in scalable um, where they start to sabotage. They don't even necessarily know it because um, you're like selling equals work. Because when I sell this client, now I have to do the work for them. So sometimes you start pushing work away. And it's if you can figure out the operations piece, it actually makes your marketing even stronger because then you start to go, hey, I, I want more clients because we can handle as many as I can get. Yeah. And this is different for a product company versus a service company, as maybe you're talking about here. A product company like the operations side change a little bit, but uh, the more I could separate myself from the operations, the more I can grow the marketing side of things on a day-to-day, day-to-day basis all the time. So, yes. It's- um, we're, well, I would love to keep talking to you about this, but you know, we have a little bit of time remaining here. So I want to kind of close this interview by saying there's so much to think about when it comes to systemizing the business. And it's one of those things where anyone who's read Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, Stephen Covey, you know, the difference between what's important and what's urgent. And I feel like systems are one of those things. They are not as urgently visible to most entrepreneurs, but they are one of the most important things to allow for a business to grow dramatically. Because otherwise you just, as an entrepreneur, you end up being the bottleneck in your business. What do you think, Dave? 100%. 100%. The, the, the thing, my mission really, like I'm here to free all business owners worldwide from the day-to-day operations of running their business. That's the, the dream that I crafted for our particular business. So I started there and then I started to think about um, how do we do that? We need to create a system that can s- systematically and strategically bottle what the business owner is doing and then remove them from it. Mm-hmm. Now, when I realized that a lot of business owners, they don't get excited by systems and processes. A lot of visionary creatives, they just go, hey, I'm not a systems person. And the truth is, I'm not really a systems person. I don't love detailed processes and documentation. Um, What needs to happen is a business owner they need to fall in love with the result. I've seen the difference of a business that is well-systemized versus one that's not, and it's a night and day difference. And now I've fallen in love with what the result is. And as long as someone who listens to this podcast and this episode, and they, if they've got some baggage and confusion around business systems and they think, oh, I'm not a systems person, I can't do this. I've tried this in the past and it didn't work. Um, My team won't follow systems and processes even if I documented them. If you've got any of that sort of baggage, that is natural. You are where you need to be. Trust me, having seen this hundreds of times before, you need to fall in love with the result of what the systems bring and then that will carry you through because it's always hardest to systemize a business right up front. That's where most of the resistance happens. But if you can make it through three, six, 12 months, once you get 
consistently keeping systems and processes front and center till you start to change the culture in your team, I'm telling you now, you will look back on this podcast episode and go, that was a turning point for me and my business because it is possible. I'm not a systems person and I know you as a business owner can get this working in your business. Love it. So David, uh, thank you very much for all this uh, great knowledge on systems thinking. But before we go, please tell us where to find you and more importantly, like where to find your, you, your book and what kind of services or products you offer for businesses out there. Yeah, perfect. So yeah, best place to start if you go to systemology.com forward slash book, that's where you can find out about systemology. You can head over to Amazon or Audible if you want to listen to the audio book because um, obviously you're listening to a podcast now. You might be more of a listener. Um, there's a couple of options there. That's the best place. When I wrote the book, I made sure that it was useful and complete. So I give you all of the steps and you can take with that book and then run with it. If you need some extra help and support, we have some different options. I train up and certify people we call systemologists and they help business owners one-on-one with the implementation of this stuff. Or there's some online options as well. Like you can, um, I've got some uh, like a, an academy where you can kind of deepen your knowledge, but just get started with the book. If it resonates with you, that's probably the best place to start. And hopefully I have relit that fire inside you as a business owner around business systems because they are that important that you've got to make this a focus. I love it, man. This was great. Thank you very much for being here today. Pleasure. Thanks for having us, Manny. Thank you.